Thank you. Yes, folks, it's Thursday. I'm Fred McMurray. It's 2 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Central, which means this must be... Take it away, folks. Hey, Jerry. Welcome to Pillars of Franchising, everybody. Hey, Kristen. Good to see you again. It's been forever since I've seen you, girl. I know, right? At least 48 hours, I think. (laughs) Something like that. Was IFA a blast or what? It was. It was. First of all, welcome to Pillars of Franchising, everybody. Jerry and I usually just jump right on in, and that's what we're going to be doing today as we bring to you Word on the Street, which is going to be, as Jerry alluded, all about the International Franchising Association, uh, where we were just at one of their fabulous conventions out in my favorite city of all, San Diego, California. Wasn't that great? You know, leaving the Midwest and going to San Diego, first off, is pretty cool, you know, but then we got to hang out with 3,000 of our best friends with franchisees and franchisors and suppliers from all over the country, and everybody was there for one reason, and that was to celebrate franchising. You know, not only that, I was surprised how many international people were there as well. And, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting, like, there were two people I really, really, really wanted to meet, not including Shaq, okay? So Shaquille O'Neal was one of the keynote speakers, but I knew that was completely out of my purview. That was not going to happen. But I got to meet one of our um, previous guests, Scott Greenberg, who's the author of The Wealthy Franchisee. Totally the nicest, kindest man, fabulous. And my second favorite, because he's the one that gave the voice to the little people, as I said, like me, the franchisee, and that was Eric Seitz of Franchise Business Review. He is the one who started that whole thing. Um, And then we had the grandfather of franchising from Titus, um, from the Titus Center, right, John Hayes. I was like, every time I turned around, Jerry, there's somebody else. You know, Kristen, uh, for the book and the learning platform, we had a pavilion there. I know you were in it. And it became the place where IFA royalty ended up. So John came and spent some time and did an interview there. But, I mean, we had Gordon Logan from uh, the founder of Sport Clips. We had uh, Dina from uh, Neighborly, who was the founder of uh, that group back in the day. We had a long list of them. And everybody was – even competitors were just having a great time celebrating franchising. We had some great speakers. You talked about Dak. Was Shaq cool or what? Oh, my gosh. And he, okay, so I don't know if I'm supposed to share it, but he put it out there, and it's been recorded. But the first, one of the first things he said, right, is, is uh, 
oh god now i forgot his name i hate charles barkley yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a new franchise called big chicken and the one of the funniest things is he named a sandwich after his nemesis charles barkley he said because it's so sloppy one of the sloppiest sandwiches he's ever seen <laughs> I think that's a reflection on how he thinks Charles played back in the day. But I, I he, think so, too. He had some great quotes. You know, I, I loved uh, the fact that when he talks about his children being rich, he says, you ain't rich. I'm rich. You're not rich. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, and, and the story he told about uh, giving his son a car for getting good grades, <laughs> and his son took him to the Tesla store, and when when Shaq showed up and he saw where he was at, he said, no way, buddy. The Honda store is across the street. Let's walk over there and, and buy a car. So he That's is so right. down to earth. He really is. And, and, and it's, I think it's a great lesson because, you know, I would love to be Shaq's kid because think of all the benefits you get. But he keeps it real for them. They're not just spoiled. Things aren't just handed to you on a silver platter. Um, I'll tell you, he um, had such a skit with Matt Holler, the, the, the guy in charge of IFA's so funny. I had such a great time listening to those stories. And um, we I met a lot of other people that had been on our show, show Wild Birds Unlimited, Paul was out there. We saw, um, gosh, it, it escapes me right now. All of our friends from, F, from Franchise Business Review, I ran into those. Cassidy, I ran into her. Um, it was like everybody we had ever talked to before was there. And the interesting thing is, it wasn't just a great gathering. It was a great gathering for, of people from different countries, different walks of life, different franchises, some that were the, some that were in, com in competition, but we were all there to support franchising. You know, Kristen, I've gone to, I don't know, 10 or 12 IFA conventions now, and I think of it like a family reunion. You know, at a family reunion, you got those family members you know, and you run up and bug them, and give them high fives and talk about their kids and stuff. And then you get this whole group of people that's part of your family, but you haven't met them yet. Yep. So then you spend a lot of time meeting them and getting to know about them. So next year you can do the same thing with them. And it is just such a warm and fuzzy and, and, you know, it's so meaningful because the IFA as an organization is the largest association in the world representing the franchise industry. Yeah. You know, they, they deal with the three pillars, which are franchisees, franchisors, and suppliers. They treat them all with love and respect. They give them all platforms. They support them all. Yep. Uh, they work. You know, when we, I talk about IFA all the time, but I'm going to make a little preachy moment here. If mm -hmm. you are a franchisee and you're not a member of IFA, shame on you. Because right. first off, it's free. Zero. Okay. So there's no financial reason not to do it. They're on Capitol Hill fighting for franchising every day for you, trying to keep your business solid and stable. And, um, you know, there's educational things. I, I imagine you went to some of the educational things out I did. there. Yeah. I did, yeah. I mean, I served on a couple panel discussions. I was, uh, I facilitated some round tables with franchisees and franchisors. And, yep. you know, IFA is literally the greatest thing you can do if you're in, franchising anywhere. If you're a franchise or even an emerging brand, you need to get a hold of IFA and join because they will do more to help you with your business than you can even imagine. Absolutely. And you know, I'll tell you one one person who really inspired me where while I was there 
with Paul Brown of Inspire Brands. And he talked about driving culture. Now, Arby's is one of my favorite restaurants since I was a little girl. So he talked a lot about the transformation of Arby's. And I want to just point out one of the quotes that he, it wasn't really a quote, but he talked about how when they go in and they, they, they acquire another brand, how they make sure to protect the culture and, and not really freak the employees out. He said, um, inform the new company's employees of what you're not going to change before you talk to them about what you will be changing. And I thought, oh, wow, I would have not thought about that. But it's just making them feel comfortable first. Like, hey, listen, all of these things are the same. Yes, there's a couple of things we're going to change, but all of these great things are going to stay the same. And I thought that was fantastic. And, and lastly, I want to thank you because your group from LIP and, and your co-author of the book, Live It to Own It, I found a whole new family there. They were fantastic. You know, they think the same thing about you. I just saw Tara today and she brought you up and, uh, you know, again, uh, with Pillars, we really work to try and improve franchising overall and educate people. And with Lyft, we're trying to do that in a different manner, and we're working on franchisors and so on. So when all of us got together, it was really like a family coming together, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. And then the great thing, if you have the chance to go to IFA conference and think of it as a huge puzzle, right, and you're putting all these pieces together to to, to Form what franchising really is. And you said it before, it's franchisors, franchisees, suppliers. I mean, just really a great environment, very invigorating. I came back with so many ideas, a bazillion business cards I have to follow up on, um, but really some new relationships that I am looking forward to having on down the road now. It's, I'm just ashamed that as a franchisee and always being a member of IFA, it took me just years to actually go oh. on conventions. Oh, that hurts me so much, Kristen, but I'm glad we got you there now. And we're going to do some more of these things in the future, trust me. Yeah, and so you, sure. Go ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, you and I are going to talk a little bit more about it when we talk about my book, because I got some things to wrap into that from IFA, too. Awesome. So if you're a franchisee out there and you haven't been to an IFA convention, trust me, you got to get out to one. You won't believe. It's so easy to get lost in your business working in and on your business, your platform, your your particular vertical. And when you go there, you see there's a whole nother world out there of franchising. It's absolutely amazing. So Jerry, thank you for sharing a word on the street and thank you for sharing your Lyft family with me. No problem. We'll see you in a few minutes, Kristen. Sounds good. However, we must issue a correction here. There are not three pillars of franchising. There are five pillars of franchising. If you need clarification, go to the pillarsoffranchising.com website, and you can see the five pillars, not three, five. And now we just to- take, we just improve it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> go away, Fred. <laughs> Oh, and today I'm so excited, Elizabeth. We have such a great guest today. We do. I'm excited. Um, You know, we have talked to one of her colleagues, Jackie Stiles, before from the WNBA. um, And Jackie put us in touch with Sherry Cole. For those of you who do not know, Sherry Cole is a native Oklahoman. She grew up 30 miles from the right side of the Red River in a small rural town where she fell in love with reading, writing, and basketball, not necessarily in that order. 
1987, after a highly successful collegiate career at Oklahoma Christian, she hung up her high tops and moved from the port to the sideline um, and began what would become a Hall of Fame career as a women's basketball coach. For 25 years, she served in, uh, as the head women's basketball coach at the University of Oklahoma, where she is the winningest coach at OU history. She built a powerhouse program in Norman that appeared in 19 straight NCAA tournaments and competed in three final fours. She's a member of the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame, the Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame, the Women, Oklahoma Women's Hall of Fame, Oklahoma Christian Hall of Fame. She's a Hall of Fame kind of girl. Um, but she's with us today because she is starting a newer journey into franchising in the same brand that Jackie's in. And she's starting in a new role as a culture coach and having built the teams that she's built and had the career that she's had. I think she's, she's the perfect person to talk about team building and leadership and coaching. So Sherry, welcome to the show. Thank Yay. you so much. Appreciate you having me. Jackie Styles could not say enough great things about you. Well, Jackie Styles is the best deflector I've ever seen. She's <laughs> always taking praise and just turning it off and sending it to other people. She's a rock star. And just to clarify, in case anybody got confused in that introduction, I did not play in the WNBA. So <laughs> no, I know you were clear, Elizabeth, but I okay. just wanted to further clarify. Okay. <laughs> And sometimes the coaches have the harder job than the players, right? Oh, there's no question that my, yeah, I, it was much harder when I took over the whistle and put the shoes away. Yeah. So tell us, I mean, honestly, Shaquille O'Neal talked about this a little bit as well. And his comment was just basically that he believes the game of basketball and really professional sports in general, the way coaches help to build that team and the team works together is a great setup for executing a franchise. Um, is that what brought you to franchising? How do you think being a coach is going to help you be successful in franchising? Well, the people at NextGen uh, wanted to make sure that as they franchise their organization, that the authenticity of the brand remained. They mm -hmm. want it to feel the same, look the same, uh, operate in the same way wherever a NextGen fitness studio exists. And so their concern with how to do that as it spreads in so many different directions led them to me in conversations uh, about how to build a team and how to be clear and um, how to develop that, that sense of, of individuality with still the authenticity of the foundation of the brand. And so um, we're in the early stages of that. We began this past fall, and it's all about building a successful team. Uh, no matter what an entity you are mm -hmm. creating, it's about how people – about how human behavior, first of all, about how human behavior works, and then how humans work together to achieve the desired goal. So it doesn't really matter if you're on a football field or a basketball court or in a boardroom or in a uh, warehouse. It doesn't really matter. There are humans involved, and humans are working together, yeah. and those have some sort of um, – th those uh, experiences and those challenges are the same. They just sort of over into different fields. Well, and I think that's really interesting because if you if you take a look at that brand and what you just said as well is it allows people to be their authentic self, bring what they have to offer to the table. But if at the end of the day, it all plays together as a cohesive brand, right? So you could take me, you could take Shaq, you could take Jackie, right? We could all be running next gen and we all have our own twist on it, but within the same circle, we all support each other and all work together for the betterment of the brand is what you're saying, right? Yeah. And I think there's a, it's sort of an umbrella, if you will. There has to be that very clear alignment with the values 
and that's where my job comes in is is reinforcing that that culture which really is a way of behaving it's just a set of of expectations that everybody decides we're going to live by this is how we're going to live with one another and once you uh, buy into that then you put your own individual spin on it wherever you are uh, we have a saying that as the water rises, so do the boats. Every every studio is striving to become the best it can be, and all every studio's success does is elevate the brand. And so we're all in it together and helping one another. So um, Sherry, I, you, when we talked on the phone before this this call, you mentioned something about the common sense things that you do as a team builder in basketball that sometimes you were surprised that didn't always you didn't see in the business world. Um, so as a leader of a team who developed culture um, at Oklahoma, what do you think your strengths are? They've, you know, clearly you have a lot of them because you were so successful, but what strengths are you going to bring to creating this culture at Next Gen that you learned from being a coach for all those years? Well, maybe first and foremost is the fact that uh, everybody is so distinct and unique in their own way. We all face similar challenges. There are similar problems that exist at every level and every group, regardless of the makeup of that group or the endeavor that they're involved in. But they're, people are different. There are no two people that are alike on this planet. And so looking at a room full of very distinct individuals and personalities and appealing to not only their desires, but their needs at the same time and understanding uh, how important it is for everyone to be heard, for everyone to have a piece of ownership in what's going on, um, to understand their role. The clarity, I think, of expectation and, and roles is so important. And then the way you bind those people together, because the way you get extra miles out of people, and we all know right now that finding a workforce is a challenge. And then once you get a workforce, how do you get them to want to run beyond the tape, past the finish line, keep going? Well, the only way any of that ever happens is if they feel like they're invested in it and it's, they have ownership in it and it matters to them and they love the person to their right and they love the person to their left. That's when you start to get extraordinary results. So the goal is to try to build an environment where people can do their best work. And when you do that, then that culture begins to become contagious. I think that's awesome. It's kind of like letting everybody shine in their own light. Right, and then making sure okay. that everyone has mutual respect for each other. So, tell us a little bit about the next gen model and what makes you so excited about it. Well, I, I think first and foremost, it's the expectation of excellence in everything that they do. Mm -hmm. uh, every I is dotted, every T is crossed. Uh, there is a, a, an emphasis on relationships with their clients, uh, really uh, training the person and not just the body which uh, is very holistic in nature, obviously, and that was very appealing to me, uh, that the only way we reach our goals is by helping you reach your goals. So it's very service-oriented at the, at the front end. That's what you feel, and, and at the back end, that's what you take away with you. The personalization of their fitness model, the way that every client can have a different end result or different outcome, maybe it's relieving stress, maybe it's losing weight, maybe it's getting more fit, maybe it's warding off injury. It could be any number of things. Sure. It doesn't matter. They're going to build a plan that is specific for the client, how her, her, he or her or his, I guess, bodies are uh, working at any given time, what their goals are, uh, what their time allotment looks like, how much time they mm -hmm. can devote to it. So it's truly an individualized game plan 
for every single client who comes in their studio. I love that, and I love their um, human kindness from the from the touches of um, they're constantly asking you for if you would like a water bottle, would you like a drink? Stay hydrated. To here's your personal towel. To please and thank you, and the general feeling in the air when you walk in a studio. It's about a place where people care. That's awesome. And do you do mostly individual training, small classes? What does that look like? Well, we are figuring out our, our it as we go. I mean, I, yeah. we are literally making the path by walking here. Yep. Yep. Um, we That's started, an emerging brand, right? That's right. what happens. Right. And we started with uh, uh, being a part, I was a part of Next Gen U, which is the onboarding for new franchise holders. And that was terrific. That was an entire day of uh of orientation and discussions and um, uh, lots of questions and answers and getting to know each other and digging around to, you know, why do you want to do this and why is this important to you and that sort of thing. And then um, following that, we have monthly Zoom calls where we do a lot of breakouts. You know, uh, COVID did a lot of bad things that we're not happy about, but one of the really good things is the invention of the Zoom tool that I know everybody has Zoomed out. Trust me, as a college coach, I was like, I never want to look at a screen again. This is ridiculous. I, I know more about chat rooms than I ever cared to. But but it really is a way to break these people up. They're all across the country. You bring them together. You break them out into small groups. They can have very intimate conversations. Then you bring them back together, and they share with the group. You can facilitate learning and adaptation really quickly through this technology. And so that has been fun. But the, the first thing that, that we try to do is, is um, help people grow because the better the people are, the better the organization is. It doesn't matter what business you're in. It's all about the quality of the pe- people who are running the business. And so we start uh, right there with where are you and who are you and mm-hmm. who do you want to be and how can we get there. And so it's very uh, personal growth centric, if you will. Sure. Well, and that brings about a very interesting um, topic that all franchises, all businesses are dealing with right now is the staffing situation. So I know you're directly involved with the franchisee, but what do you guys do or what is your goal as the cultural officer to be able to translate that from a franchise owner into picking the right team? How do you train those franchisees to look for that special something in people when, when you're in such a tough labor market? Well, I think the answer to that, the second part, um, how do you train them to identify that, just to kind of have your, your ears and hope to, up ready to find it, is easier than getting a pool to choose from in the first place. Yeah. And that seems to be the big hurdle right now. Like, yeah. who out there wants to work? And, yeah. and so I think as you as you identify you know you get a group of people who who are applying and they're interested in it i think the identification process is simple in comparison to that but the the most important thing that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks has been the fact that you can't always control all of that you're right. you're going to find somebody who can work and and you can't control maybe it's not the best maybe it's right. not your a plus employee that you would choose if you had mm-hmm. 500 to select from that's right. But what we can control is who and how we are mm-hmm. at all times. And so we continue to model. If I want my employees to do blank, then mm-hmm. I must do blank and, right. and continue to grow ourselves and our willingness to be what we want those employees to be. Because, you know, maybe you hire someone that might appear to be a level C employee when you choose them out of the lineup. 
Mm-hmm. And they get it there, and maybe they've just never been exposed to anybody who's That's willing right. to clean the toilets and, and wipe the desktops and uh, yeah. close up and open up. And you get an opportunity to show them not only how to do that well, but how to do that with joy and with a service mindset. So there's just so many opportunities right now for teaching. I mean, it's hard to find yeah. a workforce, but what an opportunity for people to model behavior and grow up an entire generation in the way that, that we know speaks to excellence. Yeah, and I think that you probably demonstrated a lot of that as a coach as well because, you know, you get girls playing for you from all over, and some are probably more polished than others. And I always look at the young athletes and go, okay, so there's, there's a way you carry yourself, right? You, and you can grow and groom them if they're a little rough around the edges, how to become that person. And we've been talking the last few weeks that, you know, on and on now as the labor market becomes tight, we're going to have to do more grooming of people to mold them into what we need them to be. Um, maybe we just can't get that A player, as you said, right out of the gate. So, um, yeah. One of the realizations, I think, is that um, as, you're, as you're looking at this potential workforce, is that um, you've got to be able to see what people can be. Not mm-hmm. what they are, but what they mm-hmm. can be or could be. You've got to be able to look down the road and project a little bit and then be willing to kind of take their hand and, and guide them along that way. And I think that's a, it's a really good thing for a lot of us to have to remember that we have to model it first before we can expect it from them. Sure. And uh, that hands-on training becomes very, very important. Well, I think that's, that, sorry, Kristen, that's, that's an interesting thing because that really does translate from coaching because you've got the young, new, incoming, green freshmen, and then you've got the seasoned players who are the leaders of the team. And it's, it's the similar thing when you see the potential in a player or a team member in a franchise. So, so what, I, what I'm curious about is what is your philosophy on, on failure or struggle or bumps in the road? Because as an emerging brand, you're going to hit those. And in a, in a market like we're talking about that you may not get the A player, how do you, what is your philosophy on bringing people through that struggle or through a, you know, a failure that how you overcome? Celebrate the mess out of failure. <laughs> I, had, I had on the hallway a huge quote about failure in our, in our uh, facility, because that's the only way you grow. Yeah. The okay. only way you stretch yourself and reach other heights is to reach higher than you can and fall on your face and then get back up and do it again. So we would celebrate it always. We used to, uh, sometimes take some athletic tape and go put a, a, an X on the floor when somebody missed a wide open shot or, or did something wrong. And then we would clap about it and go, right, here's where it happened, because next time you're going to get it because yeah. you put yourself in this position. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that kind of goes along with what we were saying earlier, Kristen, that take somebody who's maybe not quite ready and yep. you've got to groom them and you've got to grow them a bit. So as leaders, we have to be a little bit patient mm-hmm. and we have to be willing to guide them and redirect them. Um, and remember that sometimes we might be the only example of what we're looking for looks like. Yeah. So you can't punish a potential employee for what they don't know. That's they don't right. know what they don't know. So you have to provide that for them and then hold the expectation always high, but support yeah. them as they will fail. If they're trying to do something significant, they're going to fail. Support yeah. them through that and redirect them. And remember that sometimes it takes a while. You know, I'm watching two seniors right now who are playing at Oklahoma. I retired last spring and um, they came in as freshmen and played a ton and potentially really good players, but not ready for BCS basketball at the highest Mm -hmm. level. And they failed a lot and we lost a lot and none of us were 
accustomed to that at all. But I'm watching them now and who they are now and how they've become as a result of those experiences. And it's extraordinary. I just sit back like a proud mama watching her children saying, look who you have become because they just continued to show back up. They, they right. would lose and they wouldn't run and hide. They just show back up. And that's what we want our workforce to do. And that's what we want to train them to do. And the only way you do that is by saying, this is a good thing. It, just, it shouldn't feel so awful. Let's redirect okay. all that feeling and that emotion and let's get on to the next thing. Yeah. So let me ask you, this is kind of one of those um, one of those questions I'm sure you've been asked a lot. So you're female and it predominantly, you know, sports has been run by males often, right? A lot. And now you're stepping into franchising again, where females are underrepresented, but we're making great strides. What are some of the things that you intend on doing to help promote and grow women in not just sports, but also in franchising and anywhere else that you happen to be? Well, you know, I think I've always felt this way about um, coaching, whether it was at the high school level or then for 25 years at the Division One level. Uh, it's it's not who you are; it's what you do in terms of that. Um, it's it when you're involved in a leadership position as a woman, you are showing other women what is possible. When you're involved in in a franchise, you're showing other people that you can also do this too. And I've always felt, I just have this really strong belief that we're meant to work together. I always had a male on my staff because I loved that he would see it this way and I would see it that way. And together we could see it kind of all the way around. Yeah. And I love that mixture. I don't think we should ever try to be the guy. I don't think the guy should ever try to think like we think. Let's just think about it and share our thoughts. I have this framed saying in my kitchen that says God speaks to us each differently and expects us to tell each other. And I really believe that that is true, that, that we use our special way of seeing things as females and we share that with those around us and males do the same and we make this tremendous team and it's built on mutual respect. And you mentioned the word earlier, Kristen, presence. I think that's the key. It's how we conduct ourselves, how we handle ourselves, the way we walk in a room. It, you teach people how to treat you. And yeah. uh, it's a tremendous opportunity and a tremendous time, I think, uh, in the leadership world in the business community. I love that. You teach people how to treat you. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's awesome. Yep, you really do. Well, Sherry, we're, we're winding up our, our segment here. But before we go, I wanted to ask you about um, the investment that's required if you want to look at a next-gen fitness as a franchisee. What kind of um, investment are we talking? Well, I can't tell you the specifics of all that. Because I'm working with, I'm I'm not a franchisee. I'm working with the whole group from a culture standpoint, and so I don't get involved in the specifics of the purchasing of a franchise. I work with those who have already done that. But I can tell you that the greatest investment is your emotional time and energy. It's not even close. Whatever you got to come up with from a financial standpoint to be able to. Uh, choose a, facil- a location to build out a facility within that location, uh, all the equipment that's required to set up and run it because it is it's very sophisticated equipment, training equipment. The greatest investment is mental and, and from an emotional energy standpoint because just like in coaching, every single client that walks in the door is going to be at the level that you are. You can't have a bad day. You can't have a bad moment. You are – you are there with the energy level that you expect from them. And so 
that consistency of bringing that to the table is certainly the deepest investment that a franchise owner would have to make. Absolutely. I think that's great, great advice. And, and it goes for most franchises, most business ownership is that kind of thing. And if you're not, if you don't have that level of commitment of time and, and emotional energy, no amount of money is going to save you from that. Right. Absolutely. Very well said. And no brand that you choose is free of needing that emotional energy. That's for sure. <laughs> Leading anything requires that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So Sherry, if, if people are interested in learning more about Next Gen Fitness and reaching out, what is the best way for them to get in touch? Well, they can go to the, to the website, obviously, nextgenfitness.com, and there is a, a plethora of information there. I would also say that um, – uh, Brian Watley, the CEO, and his crew, Brian Andrews and crew, are um, very accessible, and they will talk to you about, and even if you're just thinking, I want to know more about this, not, I have no intention, they're terrific at engaging you, and they want to have those conversations. Even if you're wanting to go do something else, they can tell you about the potholes and the hurdles that they've faced in their creation of this, and especially maybe the, the pivoting that they've had to do over the past COVID year. Because mm-hmm. we've all faced it, but in those hands-on physical uh, areas, it's become increasingly difficult. You know, how do you train somebody across a Zoom screen? That's a little bit harder than some other things. Yeah. So um, they're very accessible, and I don't think Jackie would mind me saying this either. She is a first-time, obviously brand-new, diving-in headfirst entrepreneur into this, and um, she would be a great source for anyone. And she doesn't say no to any no. phone calls. People are wanting to learn and grow. She is all about helping people learn and grow. Yeah, and the community is fantastic. You have to give some credit to you as a coach for helping her with that. Obviously, her parents and her, her environment and everything else, but just absolutely amazing. And thank you for being such a great positive voice, not only for basketball, Uh, But for women in general and franchising, it's been a great pleasure talking with you today. And I'd love to see you again as the brand continues to grow. Well, thank you so much. We're very excited about this venture. And I think uh, it's going to have a ripple effect across the country. So we're super excited about it. Thank you guys for all you do for business owners and for young people who are diving into this, young and old people who are diving into this. I count myself as old. Um, (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I mean, I count me. (laughs) We just appreciate you so much. Thank you for the service that you provide. It's incredibly helpful. Thank you, Sherry Cole. I appreciate it from Next Gen Fitness. But wait, there's one more question. How do people actually get a hold of Sherry if they want her services? Because we heard about how to get a hold of Next Gen, but not how to get a hold of Sherry. Well, that's great. Thank you so much. SherryCole.com. In my um, uh, second life, we'll call this my second professional life, uh, when I hung up the whistle from coaching, I've moved into writing and speaking and consulting, and the consulting gig with NextGen is one of the things I'm doing. Uh, my first love is writing. I'll fess that up right up front. Awesome. And so I have a weekly blog that comes out there, and I also travel around the country and do public speaking. And um and working on a book. So there's a lot of really cool stuff in the world. Yay. Well, we can't wait to see the book and we'll be one of your biggest fans and make sure we share that out across our social media. And uh, we'll just have to check out your blog as well and see what kind of information you have out there that we might be able to share with people in franchising. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. It's been a pleasure to be on with you guys today. Thank, Thank you, you Sherry, ma'am. Sherry. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? 
Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a Y dot com. Look at there, I told it Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't sure I was on, so I had to quickly get off of mute, too. I'm glad yeah. you were. Well, hey, Kristen, how about coach? You know, I played sports for a lot of years in a lot of different sports, and I just called everybody coach, so I guess Coach Sherry is now coached me, right? Yeah, yeah. And that uh, word coach means so many different things to so many different people. Now, two things, two things I took. I mean, I took a lot from her, but two things I took. One of them is the whole women thing, because I recognize the hurdles women have to go over. Yep. But in my world, I answer to women all day long, everywhere I go. So <laughs> it's a struggle for me. I've got to understand not everybody has my life, you know. Yep. So I'm out pushing and raising women up everywhere because I've got so many of them behind me pushing me. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And the and second I thing. I think about all the businesses I've owned and all of my own right now, and I need to go buy, a, you know, like a case of white tape to go into all of those businesses and put X's on the floor where I screwed up over yeah. the years. And then I came back and did it better because that's right. a great analogy, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And I think about the work that goes into once you miss that shot or that goal or that target, you know, you can't, that's where perseverance comes in. You have to be able to move past that because no one's going to get it right 100% of the time, right? No, that's exactly right. It, uh, Michael Jordan talks about all the shots he missed, you know, yep. and uh, he remembers all of those. But, you know, in business, I can think of times when I made a bad hire and I know where I was standing when I did that or I made a bad marketing decision or Let's face it, maybe I made a bad investment in a business or something like that. So mm -hmm. literally, the longer you're in the business world, franchising or small business, the more tape you need, if we're going to refer back to coach's uh, analogy. And you know what? That's why I wrote the book, right? That's right. That, that's why I wrote this book, because I don't want anybody to go through those things I went through. I want them to skip right over those, become rock stars, and then take their business to another level without you know, waiting in the weeds like I had to do all those um, years. And I'm excited to talk about another chapter today. How about you, Kristen? Yay, I am ready to go. We're going to talk about marketing, promotion, and you today. Absolutely. And, it's all um, important, right? Because that's really what grows your business. You know, it is. And uh, I'll be very honest. Marketing makes up for some mistakes sometimes because... Yeah. You know, if, if you make some mistakes in the rest of the business, sometimes marketing will kind of fill some of that gap for you. So I, early in my career, be, became very proficient at marketing. I'm going to talk about a little bit that right now. So let me jump into it here. Sounds great. You know, when, when we talk about marketing in the book, since it's a franchise book, we talk about Zors, Zs, 
being partners, right? right. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, in most franchises that you buy, you're going to pay a royalty out of every revenue dollar that you bring in, and you're going to pay a national marketing fund fee. And there have been franchisees in the past, many of them, who get kind of perturbed about the national marketing fee. That's right. Because not always do they know exactly where those monies are going, right? And what does it support? That's right. And, you know, I will also tell you this. Many of them see what's going on but don't really recognize it or recognize what it's going to do for their business. Because national marketing is more for brand awareness. It's more to let people know that that brand is out there and what the brand stands for. Right. And then you do local marketing to complement that and bring them to your location. So got to understand how those two work together. Do you know who I think is doing a great job with that right now from a national marketing um, perspective is Domino's. Domino's right. doing great. Yeah, they're doing a great job. And so those franchisees hopefully really understand the benefit of what that brand awareness, what you're know, going out and giving people during COVID gift cards to local restaurants if they order from them. Who does that? I know. That is a phenomenal campaign. I love it. I'll call out two others while we're doing this right now. One of them is one of my largest competitors, and one of them is my, one of my companies. So uh, during the football championship series, college football championship series, Sport Clips killed me with all of their marketing on the bowl games. Just uh-huh. killed me. And it was invigorating, it was exciting, and it drew you in until yep. – if you were like me and you watched too many games, then you got tired of it after a while. But still, <laughs> it worked. Yeah. And then great clips uh, during um, basketball and hockey and several other things. They just continue to own some of that space. And I think they yeah. do a great job uh, of, of doing that. So that's part of the national fund. And you need to understand that that's building brand awareness so that people know you're out there. In the book <clears throat> and in my business, I talk about internal and external marketing. Sure. For me, internal marketing is primarily customer service. It's mm-hmm. building up your brand through the delivery of your products and services so that people want to continue to come back to uh, work with you and your team. Mm-hmm. And then there's external marketing, which I divide into two categories, national marketing and local marketing. And local marketing is what I love. I'm the king of guerrilla marketing. I <laughs> I do things nobody else would do, and, uh, and, I, and, and I really enjoy sharing it with people. So, you know, um, a few years ago, I was watching this big bus drive around town all the time that had the name of my biggest competitor on the side of it, and it irritated the heck out of me, as you would have guessed. <laughs> so I reached out to find out what it would cost to wrap a bus with my stuff. Uh-huh. And it was a lot of money. It is, yeah. I so, have a fleet of cars. Yes. Cars or, or logo. So, so now I decided we we own company cards, so we wrapped all of those. Nice. Now we've got seven or eight of those driving around our market as opposed to one bus. So I think I got more eyeballs on my stuff than they do on theirs, so I'm happy about that. But, you know, when we talk about guerrilla marketing, I want to give you a little background on this. So um, Jay Conrad Levinson, back in about 1984, Uh, coined that term. And the term relates to things you can do locally. Generally, they're low cost or almost no cost. Mm -hmm. And they they drive people in your doors. So um, I spent, I I read two or three of um, Jay's books. 
and spent a lot of time learning it and then adapted it for what we do. Right. So here's a long list of things that are in the book and everything that's in the book, we do consistently in our organization. And one of the things I think about guerrilla marketing from my standpoint, I call it COD, customers on demand. Because you can turn them on and off like that when you yeah. do a good job of guerrilla marketing. So yep. here's some things to think about from a guerrilla marketing standpoint. Cheater signs. You know, those things like realtors use in front yards. Yeah. You can use those around your business, maybe several blocks away. A lot of ours have arrows on them pointing, you know, two blocks away to our place of business. Yeah. They might have a special offer on them. Could be a yeah. lot of different things. Right. Uh, I think we need a sign that says this home has been proudly cleaned by Molly made, right? Well, I can give you a lead so you know where to buy those. Okay? Yes. Yes. We should talk about that. Okay. Go on. I'm sorry. I think that's great because <laughs> that, that truly is building your brand and driving people to, I mean, if they see their neighbors are using you and they've been yeah. thinking about it, there's a certain comfort using somebody that your neighbor is using. So, and there's a long list of things, and I know we don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to hit some things so that you can move on and talk to the lovely Miss Karen here in a little bit. So uh, I believe cheater signs and everything to go in underneath, um, you know, guerrilla marketing, there's a science behind it. It's not just throwing some things out there. So under cheater signs, I look at placement. I literally draw maps for people about how to place them, where to place them, how to place them. You got to understand how color and organization work in driving a message. Mm -hmm. So uh, it needs to have an attractive offer on it in most cases. So people focus on it. And then, you know, one of the things I'll tell you is there are laws against doing some of these things. So I teach people to go online and go to a building and zoning and check out the laws relating to uh, guerrilla marketing and signage and those kinds of things. And then find the gray areas. Because there's a lot of, mm-hmm. and many times if some an enforcement person comes into one of my businesses, we know the law better than they do. So when they say something to us, I can say, ah, but wait. Right. Here's the way I read it. So I'll go through this list of things, and then we'll let you close it out and go on. But so cheater signs, signs and banners, putting a big banner. Their own because we allow them to buy things they wear at home or out shopping or out right. in the town, and they say great clips on them. How about that? <laughs> and then uh, direct mail, of course, and coupons and those kinds of things. But I do want to tell you, guerrilla marketing is something you can turn on and off. You can track it in most cases because they'll either bring a coupon in or they'll mention they saw it. Oh, I forgot one of my favorites, uh, mascots. Yeah. We've had mascots get interviewed on the TV, on the radio. They're, they're clapped at in front of the city. They're, they're taken out to lunch. I mean, it nice. is phenomenal, and it draws a lot of attention. So wrapping it up, guerrilla marketing, understanding how to market your brand, looking for help if you don't understand, because, again, we have seen a 33% increase in daily revenue when we're doing guerrilla marketing. Yep. Think about every business out there and what they could do with that if they really knew how to do it. Absolutely. I think that is a great, great point. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. I do, I have to say you're absolutely right. The local marketing, the speed of which you can turn it on and off is much easier than some of the national stuff, much better than some of the larger campaigns you might do with 
say a magazine or something like that. So very, very good. And I'll tell you one thing about this book, uh, Live It to Own It. It has some great artwork in there that goes along with all of these themes. So please get yourself a copy, a pack of highlighters and some page flags, because there will be a lot of stuff you learn in every single chapter. Jerry Akers, Live It to Own It. Great clip. Thank you very much for sharing again this week. Thanks again, Kristen. See you later. So Fred's talking over there, but he's on mute. <laughs> he's trying to say, but wait, is now a good time to buy a franchise, Gary? I can't wait with his no, sorry. Here. No, sorry. My bad. So, but wait, there's one more question. You've talked about cause, or you've talked about local marketing. You've talked about guerrilla marketing. You've talked about marketing all over the place. But there's one form of marketing you missed. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. It's cause-based marketing. And yet, I know you are an expert on cause-based marketing. Are you not? Well, I don't know if I would say I'm an expert, but I have done very well with cause-based marketing. And literally, that's how you and I met, Fred. So mm -hmm. I can see why you bring it up. Cause-based, you know, we started our business by doing cause-based marketing. We would reach out to uh, the local cancer society and the local muscular dystrophy society and ALS and you know uh, you can list a, a lot of them and we would offer to come and set up a table at their walk run whatever fundraiser they've got we did official rama for boys and girls club <laughs> in for many years and uh, <clears throat> we would put up flags we put up banners we do colored hairspray in kids <laughs> hair we hand out balloons and we give out coupons and here's what I can tell you we would get back about percent of those coupons the first day, the day we handed them out, because if you're supporting them and the things they love, they will come and support you. So it's a very inexpensive thing to do. It's a great thing to do for your community, and I highly recommend it. Thank you for pointing that out, Fred, and I, I will add that into my next book, actually. It's actually in your book under the CHO, Mickey Akers. Oh, well, I didn't get the show. Chief Hugs Officer. I didn't get to talk about that either. Yeah, My wife so, is Chief Hugs Officer. Yeah, exactly. So we'll have to talk about that next time. We'll start with, we'll, we'll begin with the last ending in mind. Sounds good. Thank you, Chris. Right. Okay, now we have to go to, it's, now it's getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be pillars of franchising if it didn't get a little weird here and there. So, um, thank you to Jerry and Sherry Coles. We're having a great show. We've got more coming up on culture in just a minute. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsors, the Franchise Show 247. Um, go visit their website. They are a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week um, franchise expo where you can find out all about franchising. Uh, Titus Center for Franchising um, trains up young students in college in a business school with an emphasis in franchising, one of the few around the country who has that program. So go check them out at pba.edu and look up Titus Center for Franchising. Up next, we've got Karen and Ray, who are going to carry on with what um, Sherry Cole was talking about in terms of culture. They're both big fans of creating a good, positive culture. So stay tuned for Karen and Ray. Wow, what a perfect segue with Sherry. I mean, talk, talk, yeah, talking about positive culture, but I'd like to, you know, just briefly touch on the negative Nelly. If you have a negative Nelly, that's like a rotten apple in a basket. And before you know it, it's going to infect every single other person. 
So with that being said, let's talk more about the positive stuff because that's that's the most important thing I, I feel. Absolutely. Because it's really setting. I loved it when Sherry was talking about the, the teamwork, right? And, and, and that whole teamwork, if you think about culture, I mean, culture really is about how people behave, how they treat each other, how they treat their customers, right? It's really, it's very, it's very all-encompassing. So mm -hmm. I'd love to ask you the question, right, first, of why culture? You know, we have a lot of people listening that are thinking about, you know, starting a new franchise, even people that, that have a franchise. And mm -hmm. some think of it as fluff stuff, all mm -hmm. that culture stuff, that's kind of fluff. So what are your, what are your thoughts on on, on culture and why is why is it important in a franchise? It's definitely not fluff. Absolutely not fluff because the culture of your business is really the success of your business. Because in in most businesses, it's your employees that are providing you uh, your bread and butter. And if they're not happy, guess what? <laughs> that that is transmitted to your clients or your or your customers. And they can feel it, and and that which brings to another point, uh, the culture of your business is, is from the top down, so they your employees can feel it. So if if you're a, a person that a chicken little, they will feel that, and they will transmit that to your clientele. And but if you're positive and it, it, that is transmitted down and they can feel it. And then your clients and customers will feel it and your business will grow rapidly. Absolutely. You know, you know, we think about when, you know, as a franchisor, I work with franchisees and I could walk in the office and mm -hmm. just walking in an office, or even if you think about walking in a store anywhere, you can, you can feel, you can actually, but that is, by the way, you're treated as a customer by the way you are with your talking with the manager, if you're going and applying for the job, there is a, you're right, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a feel for that. And mm -hmm. the franchisees talk about how they use this as their, the culture as their competitive edge. Mm -hmm. We all can feel that. Even if we don't know it, mm -hmm. it's not as obvious, um, we, can't, we can feel that. So they're like, hey, this is my competitive edge. This is how I'm going to beat out my competition. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, there may be a few people listening will say, how, maybe they have a neutral culture now, okay? But how do I create a more positive culture? And you know what? It's so simple. You just, as you walk in to your office, if you walk into your office, say hello. Say hello to all your employees. I mean, just don't walk in with your head down and, and walk straight in your office. Say hi. How's the family? How's the kids? What's up? What are you guys doing? It's it's so simple, and people will begin to feel that, and they can respect it. Absolutely. You know, I think sometimes it's also it's the intentional piece because I think Kristen was talking about that earlier, even attending IFA. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to work on our business. So we need to be thinking about that because, again, I think when we're starting, when we're starting a franchise or if we're in our franchise, we have to stop and think about what do we want it to look like? You know, what are some key things? How do we, what are three or four key words that can really describe our culture? Thinking about that, and, and you mentioned that even if it's saying hello to employees. So if it's friendly, then mm -hmm. it would be, it would be that, if it's helpful. So what are some ways that we can not just have those words show up like on the wall somewhere, but how can we really live those values? And how can we, you know, how can we take the, turn that into 
how we treat our customers and how we treat each other and really really having some action items around that. I think that's a really key place to start. I had a, a HR manager. Uh, my office is in a large building, okay? And I had an HR manager stop me in the hallway one day from another company. And she says, what do you do? I mean, how come your employees are always so happy? How come they're always smiling, waving to me? And I, and she's an HR manager, mind you. And I says, well, it's simple. And I invited her in and we just sat and talked and uh, she couldn't understand it. (laughs) Another thing I want to bring out is have an open door policy. Basically, all my employees can walk into my office at any time and say, Ray, I have a problem and I, I'm hoping you can help me with it. And they feel comfortable in doing that. It's not like, oh gosh, he's the owner. <laughs> you know, can I talk to him or should I talk to somebody else? You know, right. so, and, and transparency. Be transparent. If you're constantly having people in your office and you close the door, that's a negative thing. People see that and say, well, what are they talking about? What are they going to do to us next? <laughs> exactly. Your actions really do. You know, you do have to definitely walk the talk, right? And that's a key, that's a definite key piece with that transparency. Mm-hmm. Thinking something else that uh, that Sherry was talking about and when she was talking about the failure thing. I'm sure mm-hmm. that's a lot, of, a, a lot of thoughts to you too as far as how, how, how do franchisees handle failure? So, so when you're in, you know, what you've been doing, any, any thoughts on that or what you do when someone makes a mistake, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on, on how leaders should handle that? Okay. If, if, if someone does make a mistake, uh, we call them in, okay, privately. But if they do something very positive or even mildly positive, we announce it to everyone. It's on the whiteboard. This team Congratulations, you did a fantastic job at this house. Now, if someone complains, we might write on the board, see manager. Okay? <laughs> there's yeah. no, there's no, you know, and then we talk to them privately. And it's, it's, it's never any negative thing. It's, okay, this is what this customer said. And, you know, we just want your reaction. What do you, how do you feel about it? it? We don't beat them over the head, that's for sure. <laughs> Right. Well, we, it's funny because I think that's where a lot of times as leaders that we don't we don't realize even though some of those words or things that we might do in the moment really do make make it can make a great impact or make a not so great impact. And that's right. That's one of the things I learned early on, and in and almost looking at it, and, and again, Sherry talked about this. It's it's embracing the failures and and talking about okay, we what what did we learn from that? Now, if someone keeps doing a mistake, mm-hmm. that story but people don't necessarily come into work saying hey i'm going to screw up yeah so it's right and, and then sometimes if it's a culture of fear people then don't even tell you what went wrong and so so looking at it more of attacking the person don't it's not doing that but looking at the pro, let's look at the process mm-hmm. the process and really looking at it that way versus versus a personal a personal attack if you will sure sure absolutely and, and, and every negative situation is a learning situation. Absolutely. And if you, if you take it as anything else than that, then you're, you're already down. Any of the things that you can think about that are key for, for really key actions that people can take that they can be very intentional on in, in really uh, creating a positive, a positive culture? Well, uh, like I said, greeting people. I think that's extremely important. Yeah. Uh, and keeping your door open. 
keeping a positive uh, and, and uh, transparent uh, business. There's a lot of things that we do as managers. We think that we have to be be said behind closed doors, yep. and they don't have to. They, you know, keep it open. People will, uh, will just the fact that your door is open and not closed is it's my office the way I have it situated when I designed it is I can see everyone who walks in the door. And if I'm sitting behind my desk, I'm busy. I got QuickBooks open and I've got all kinds of things on my screen open. As soon as I see someone walk in, I wave. And maybe I can't talk because I'm on the phone or something like that, but I definitely wave. And they all say, hi, Ray, how you doing? You know. Absolutely. Well, those small things really make a difference. They're not so small, they're, they're large things. So just would encourage everyone out there as you think about your culture, making sure that you really take a look at, you know, what do you want your culture to be? How are you going to have it really live in the organization? Thanks, Ray. Thanks for the discussion today. Thank you, Karen. Let me unmute my thing. Um, thank you so much to Karen and Ray for that great information. Culture is something that shouldn't be overstated um, as you're running your business because unhappy employees are not going to stay around um, and happy humans is the goal, right? So um, we want to say thank you to our guest, Sherry Cole. Um, also tune into the magazine. If you have not looked at the February issue, it is out. We have um, Jackie Stiles is on the cover. Um, her documentary recently premiered, so go to JackieStyles.com to learn more about that. Um, stay tuned to the website if you want to learn more about what's coming up next. Um, if you are looking to buy a franchise and need some help, visit PillarsOfFranchising.com. You can subscribe and um, choose the option for I want to buy a franchise, I need a mentor. Um, if you need exposure for your business, you can um, be interested in sponsorships. We can help you with that. Um, so be sure to go to PillarsOfFranchising.com and subscribe. I see Fred's forehead on the beach. Uh, thank you, everybody. We'd like to thank you for joining us on the show today with our guest, Sherry Cole. Please be sure to like, share, and comment on this episode. As always, thank you to Karen Kinsey Ford, Ray Pillar, Jerry Akers, our Million Dollar Mentors, and for their insight and wisdom. I'm Kristen Shalmetsy, and together we are your resource for franchising success. This has been Pillars of Franchising, and the dream starts here. I'm <laughs> <laughs>